KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. It took me, like, I got off the phone, and it was like a mixture between some nervousness, some excitement, you know, a lifetime of hard work and dreams had been finally paid off. And it was like, I literally think I stood up and paced around my hotel room for like five minutes, kind of just feeling everything and just kind of taking it all in in the moment. And our guest this week is Brian O'Keefe, a St. Joseph's University alum. He was a star with the Hawks. And after battling his way through the minor leagues, made his major league debut this year with the Seattle Mariners, got his first big league hit. And Brian, thanks so much for the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. So as we're recording this in early November, what is your focus as far as kind of decompressing from the season, looking ahead to the next season? Like, where are you as far as uh, what your focus is these days? Um, well, early in the off season, honestly, you know, it was a long year. It's been, um, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs prior to the, the debut. So taking some time to kind of relax, kind of let the body heal, kind of get back in the gym, kind of get that going. Luckily for me, we, me and my fiance, we're about to get married here and probably actually less than a month. So we got that we're doing the house. So we got a lot of projects that's kind of keep my mind off of it and kind of just kind of give me some balance, just some everyday life. But as the off season starts rolling, it'll probably be when I get back from the honeymoon, it'll probably be right back to it. It'll probably be, that's when I'll really start cranking it up baseball activity wise with hitting and, and throwing and catching and kind of get back into the full swing of things. From a mental standpoint, how long does it take you to completely kind of process the previous season? And I mean, this season's special because you got to the big leagues and, and everything. But overall, kind of go through, catalog everything and kind of put it to the side. Is that something that lasts kind of the entire offseason or is it just like a week or so and then you're, you're, you've kind of cleaned the plate? I think it's kind of different each offseason. I think depending on how the year has gone and, you know, where you're at mentally by the end of it, I think that kind of plays a role in things. You know, my first couple off seasons, I really never did it. And then as I got a little bit older, I started to kind of come home. And that first week, I would just categorize everything, just put everything on paper, write it down, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and kind of go through it that way. And what, and then what I wanted to work on for the offseason. And then as I've kind of gotten older, you know, even later into my career, I, I don't write as much as I used to, you know, in terms of like writing everything down. For me, I almost feel like I go through a checklist almost in the moment of like, oh, this is something that I need to work on for the offseason. It could be July. And I kind of have all these, mem- the, you know, little memory tabs for myself that, you know, these are things I want to work on or these are things I want to work on. But I really honestly haven't sat down and, and gone through the season yet. I think once I start baseball activities will probably be when I probably sit down right around, you know, December-ish, I would say. I probably sit down and really kind of dive into the season on on certain things, you know, from the mental side to the physical side to the mechanical side, all that stuff, I'll probably go through in probably early December this year and, you know, start to get a general idea of what I want to do and the direction I want to take things for the offseason, baseball-wise. So mentioned off the top, you made your debut this year with the Mariners, got the first big league hit. If I read correctly, you got the call up with the Mariners. It was to replace a player who went on the paternity list. So how did you, with something like that, that they knew was coming, were you kind of given a heads up like, hey, we don't know, but this is something that could happen? Or do they not do that with you? They don't want to distract you or, you know, and you just get let know that, hey, guess where you're going? 
Well, it was funny is, is like, I think it was the second to last full series of the year we were in Vegas. You know, we had kind of known for a while that it was going to be, um, that Kurt was going to go on the paternity list and, or paternity leave, excuse me. And my AAA manager, you know, as a, you know, as a journeyman catcher who played in the big leagues for a while, you know, he kind of just said, like, I think it's going to be you. You know, I don't know, but I think it's going to be you. And it, it was, they actually ended up calling Louie back up. And so I just kind of figured, all right, well, just another year, you know, good year. But, you know, I didn't get to the big leagues. And, and then I was on the taxi squad. And it was the day we flew into Arizona and we had gotten in. I was in the hotel room. It was late at night. We had been there all day. And it was about 1130, I think, on the West Coast time. And, you know, I was getting ready. You know, I was playing video games, kind of getting ready to go to bed, to get ready for tomorrow or the next day. And our farm director calls me and I'm like, what is he calling me about? You know, he's either calling me to talk about next year or the possibilities of next year or something else is going on. And it ended up being the latter. And and when I found out, it was just kind of a crazy it was I definitely didn't think I would react the way I did. You know, you play that scenario out in your head hundreds and hundreds of times as you're in the minor league. So when I finally did get that call, I mean, I, I thought once Louie went back up, I didn't think I was going to go up this past year. And then obviously things can change very quickly. And you saw it happen. You mentioned you didn't react the way you thought. What? So what was your reaction? Was it more disbelief or just uh, you couldn't couldn't process it in the moment or or what was that reaction? It was weird. I, you know, I'm somebody that I usually have words for just about every situation. And I felt like I almost, you know, I almost felt like I blew him off because I really didn't know what to say to him. I just kind of said, thank you, you know, and kind of move forward. It took me like I got off the phone and it was like a mixture between some nervousness, some excitement, some a lifetime of hard work and dreams had been finally paid off. And it was like, I literally think I stood up and paced around my hotel room for like five minutes, kind of just feeling everything and just kind of taking it all in in the moment. And I always thought the first call I would ever make would be to my dad, but it was 1130. So I knew there, you know, it's what two 30 back home at this point. So uh, my brother happened to be out in Arizona for, he was on a golf trip with his buddies. And I'm like, I bet you he's still up. So I called him, doesn't answer. Call him again, doesn't answer. Text him, I was like, hey, you need to call me. So then I was like, I was finally at that point where I was like, all right, I'm ready to call my dad. So I called my dad and they didn't answer. And I called him again. Obviously he was half asleep and I barely got the words out. I think before that's when it all hit me was when I was able, like when I said that to him over the phone, you know, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it right now. It was just everything came out because he's been, he's seen everything, you know, a lot of people, you know, throughout the course of the journey, you know, you see what happens on the field, you see, you know, what you're doing during the games and things like that. But behind the scenes, you know, the mental side of it, the the frustrations, the disappointments, uh, all the negative stuff that, you know, you have to continue to go through and fight through to kind of to play the game as long as you want to, you know, he was, he's always been there and he's seen it up close and he's been to Peoria, Illinois, a bunch of times with my mom. He's been to the middle of nowhere to come see me play. So, you know, my parents were to be able to tell them over the phone was so, so cool. And it was so, I didn't have words to express what that meant to me and uh, probably them in that moment. So you get the call and this is, September 30th is the day that you are 
activated. And oh, by the way, so you happen to be there when the Mariners clinched their first playoff berth in more than two decades. The next day, you get your first big league hit. I'm trying to process what that 48 hours must have been like to just experience kind of sheer joy and elation on multiple levels, multiple times. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it was a crazy 48 hours to say the least. It was, I I don't want to say that I didn't feel part of the team because that is the furthest thing from it. You know, I got in the clubhouse and a lot of those guys I've played with or have known over the course, gotten to know really well over the course of the years, you know, they made me feel immediately like I was part of that team. And for me to be there when we clinched was so cool, so special. I mean, if you think about it, you know, just from my own journey, I spent nine of those years in the minor leagues, you know, almost not a full half, but, you know, damn near close to the time, the half the time the Mariners hadn't been in the playoffs. So for it to be my first day in the big leagues and for it to be the first time in 21 years that the Mariners clinched, it was kind of like this. I don't know if you could think of a more perfect kind of fairy tale movie type situation for myself. And those guys made me feel like an absolutely like I was, I had been there from the first series in Minnesota. So it was really, really cool that first night. And then, and I tried to stay ready. You know, I knew there was a possibility, you know, late in the game, if they needed something off the bench, you know, I tried, I was preparing as if I was going to play all day. And um, so I was, I was into it, you know, I was into the game. I was obviously into the moment. And then when Cal hit the walk-off, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a cool picture of me, like the first one out of the dugout. I mean, it is hit and I am outside the dugout hands up. And then to turn around, you know, I enjoyed the heck out of it. You know, the celebration, the clubhouse and kind of try to take it all in. I've been in the game for a long time, so I know what it's, you know, and I've been lucky enough to be on two teams that have won championships. So I know what it's like to, to win. I played in the playoffs several times throughout my time in the minor leagues and I know what it takes to win. So I kind of tried to take a step back and let them enjoy their moment. Cause they had been the ones that had worked their tails off all year to get to that point. And I kind of just try to take everything in and just kind of look around. And, you know, I was like, man, I really want to be a part of this next year, much more than I am right now. And I knew there was a possibility just because of how, uh, where Cal was at physically, you know, Scott had told me, Hey, there's another lefty going tomorrow. There's a good chance you know, you could be in the lineup tomorrow. And uh, so when we clinched, I knew there was a really good possibility that I was going to be in the lineup or a chance that I would get some some time. And when the lineup came out, I remember me and my fiance had just gotten back from breakfast with my parents and my brother was flying in for that for because he didn't he wasn't able to get a flight on that Friday. So he said he was going to fly in first thing on Saturday. So we had breakfast and I remember the lineup coming out and I was like, holy cow, like, I'm starting the big leagues and I was, it was really cool. You know, my parents were in the hotel and, you know, I was starting to kind of get to the point. I mean, it was an early game. It was a one o'clock game. So, you know, I was kind of getting ready, but I FaceTimed my dad and was able to tell him that I was starting in the big leagues, which was really, really cool. So I normally from the hotel where, where they put you up, I normally, you know, ride scooters over to the ballpark, but it was one of those things where I didn't want to miss anything. And I wanted to be, I wanted to enjoy everything. So I decided to walk. I remember just walking and the vendors were already out and the hot dogs were going and, you know, people, you could see people already kind of, you know, there's still buzz around the ballpark, you know, so it was really cool. And just to kind of walk through all that and feel all that energy was really cool walking in. And 
got in there and kind of went through my routine to get ready. And then obviously went out and played. And, and when I got that first big league hit, I, again, I, I grew up, you know, watching the Yankees win world series in the late nineties and understanding what a crazy fan base that was. I didn't know Seattle fans were the way they were. And for them to give me a standing ovation, I think it was a sold out crowd of 45, 47,000 people to give me a standing ovation for my first big league hit. It was, like I said, it was almost something out of a movie. It was so surreal. It was so cool. So, you know, I tried so hard not to not react, but just kind of take it all in and just be in that moment. And it was, it was surreal. It was really cool. My whole family was there. My high school coach that I played for was there. My fiance was there. So her mom flew out. So it was, it was really special for a lot of reasons. And, and, you know, you could see the excitement just from the guys in the dugout, how excited they were for me. So it was a really, really crazy, fun, eventful 48 hours for sure. The hit comes off. I think it was bottom five off JP Sears single to left field. It's your second at bat. Do you remember the mindset as you're as you're digging in into the into the box? Yeah. So I was after the first at bat. We had faced Sears in in uh, I believe he got traded in the in the Montas deal with the Yankees. I think he came over with Wallachuk, and we had seen both those guys at home in, in Tacoma earlier that year. And the funny thing was, is I don't think I faced either one of those guys. I think it was the two days of the week that I was off was both those guys through. So, but I had seen him and I, I kind of knew what we were, what I was going to face after the first at bat, he threw me a lot of, um, he, he, I think he threw me three sliders. My first at bat, I think he threw me three sliders and maybe one fastball. And I was like, you know, I was kind of talking to our, our minor league hitting coordinator who had been up there for a while. I was talking to him in the dugout. It wasn't even really a, a conversation. It was just me more talking out loud to him. And I was like, you know, he threw me a lot of sliders, you know, I'm going to, maybe I should spin and, and just look for that slider. And I was like, you know what? No, I told myself before the day started, I'm going to stay on the fastball. I'm going to stay on the fastball. I'm going to stay on the fastball. So I kind of talked myself in and out of that very quickly. And when I walked up, it was just like, Hey, you know, same approach, you know, that I've had my whole, the last two seasons of trying to stick it to center. And uh, he threw me an O change up and it was, you know, because I was on the fastball, I had enough length down in front to kind of just hit a good ball to left and, and it got down. I knew when I hit it, it was a hit. It was kind of surreal when all that, th- that stuff happened. But I remember just kind of stepping in the box. And the most calm I was throughout the entire day was actually in the box. The nerves were more <laughs> sitting in the dugout waiting to go back up to the plate or, or whatever. So that was probably the most nervous I was was sitting in the dugout. But once I got in the box, everything just kind of slowed down. And, you know, I think you make it out to this, oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, it's going to be whatever. But I think sometimes we make it to be way worse or way better in our minds. And I think I was honestly more nervous in the dugout because again, it was just my mind kind of playing tricks on me. And when I got in the box, everything had slowed down. I had done this so many times from the time I was at St. Joe's through my course of the minor leagues, all the way up to the big leagues. So I had done it so many times and it was very natural and very easy. So let's talk a little bit about growing up. Was baseball number one for you? Like even as a kid? Yeah. Baseball was always Maybe for the briefest of times, it might have been hockey, but it was always baseball. My mom, I think, always thought I was going to play hockey as I continued forward. But, you know, as I started getting older, I, you know, I knew I just loved baseball. I just loved everything about it. I loved everything that I worked at it from the time. I mean, I, you know, I got lucky. My parents kind of taught me the the value of hard work at a young age. And 
you know, it was something that I, you know, I sacrificed a ton for. I mean, I remember missing high school dances. I remember missing homecomings. I remember missing friends get together in the summertime to hit the garage or to go to uh, a camp at JMU or a camp at Richmond. Yeah, I would say for me, baseball was probably, especially when I got into high school, I stopped playing hockey. My last year of hockey was, I think, eighth grade. And and from the time I was in high school to obviously still now, it, it was baseball year round. Always a catcher? Yeah, from the age of probably, I would probably like say six, I started catching. And so I've been doing it for a long time. How much of it growing up was you enjoyed it and how much of it was you were good at it? Was there a push-pull with that or was it all in the same direction? Honestly, for me, it was the simplest thing was I love, and I still am this way, like in all aspects of my life, I like to have control and I like to be involved. And I loved being involved in every single play as a catcher. I just, I love that part of it. I loved what went into it, the ability to control a game back there. You know, every so often, don't get me wrong, I enjoy playing in the outfield or playing shortstop every so often just because, you know, you know, you watch Derek Jeter do it or Bernie Williams. I always wore 51. So growing up, so, you know, I was a big Bernie guy. So every so often when I got to go out there, it was kind of cool, but you know, that got old <laughs> quick, you know, you can be out there for four innings and not get a ball hit to you. So that kind of got old kind of quick. So it was just one of those things that I just really enjoy. I was really good at it and I really enjoyed just being involved in, in everything. So we need to take a break. We will have more with Brian O'Keefe right after this. This is one-on-one. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our conversation with former St. Joseph's University star catcher Brian O'Keefe, now a member of the Seattle Mariners. Now, you grew up in Albany. How does a kid from Albany end up at St. Joseph's University? What was the road that brought you to Hawk Hill? The short version is that the program I played for my junior and senior summers was the South Troy Dodgers. And if you look at the history of the guys that have come out of there, just from the area, you have Joe Mahoney, Tommy Canley, Jeff Hoffman, myself, I'm trying to think of who else played up there. Tom Murphy played for them. Casper Wells played for them. There was just so many guys in the area that we were just really, we found really good talent up there. And we had a good run for years. They still produce a ton of guys that go play in, in division one and get drafted through them. They started kind of the talks with, they helped me kind of reach out to Richmond. And that's where I honestly thought I was going to probably end up with coach Wheeler was at Richmond at the time. And I thought it was going to be Richmond was probably my number one school. And my high school coach, Dave Fields, coached with Fritz at Army. And on a whim that, you know, he said, you know, it's been, I know it's been some time. We got to catch up, but I don't know why this kid is still looking for a home like he should play somewhere in college. I don't know if you guys have any money or a need for a catcher in the class. And Fritz was like, absolutely. You know, the funny thing is, we are looking for a catcher in that class and we do have money left over. He said, you know, give me a couple of days and I'll reach back out. So, you know, I think Fritz did his homework. He called probably, I know he talked to a couple of scouts that had seen me work out for them in high school and a couple of things like that. So within, I think it was in February, right before winter break came back. I think it was like the last week before winter break ended. Fritz had me and my mom drive down for the day to Hawk Hill. And there's a couple guys working out. I remember AJ was there and um, what's the other guy who was there? And um, they spent the day with us and Fritz, without ever seeing me play, without ever watching me do anything, offered me a scholarship to come to to St. Joe's. And again, it was, you know, I wanted to go to Richmond and I wanted to be there. And after I kind of sat down and I remember we were at a pizza place. Uh, It was me and my dad and my two high school coaches and we were talking about it. And 
you know, when you said it out loud, you know, this guy is, has never seen me play and is willing to take an opportunity on me. I mean, like when you said it out loud, I was like, this is a no brainer. It was the best decision I ever made. So I ended up coming to Hawk Hill and, and it was the absolute best decision I ever made. And Fritz is head coach, Fritz Hamburg, who is an alum of this pod. It should be noted. He is, I mean, he has a great program, but specifically pitchers and catchers that come through the St. Joe's program, everybody gets better. If you look at kind of the pipeline of kids that have gone into pro ball, gotten to the big leagues, pitchers and catchers, what is it about what Fritz, the work he does that is so impactful on you as a player, but also you as a catcher? Um, I think in general, I think, for, you know, he has a tremendous mind for that position. I mean, he was a catcher. He called for in the Phillies organization for a little bit, and he's been around pitchers for my whole time. He was there. He was around the pitchers, and he's been doing it for a long time. So I think if you just look at a baseball mind like that, his his ability to communicate and push guys is very, very good. I think that what he can you know, his way, he can be hard and he was hard on me in a good way, you know, and I, I think part of it is, is like we joke around now is that we were so similar as people and as catchers that we mean him, not in a bad way, but we butted heads. And I think it was a way like those are the best types of relationships, I think, in terms of especially like coaches and players. I don't want you to be my best friend. But at the same time, I, I'm going to need you to put an arm around me every once in a while. And he has a great feel of when to do it and how to do it. And the way, you know, I can tell you the amount of times that I just sat in the office in between classes or before practice and we would just talk baseball. You know, what about this? What do you see here? What are your thoughts on this sequence? What do you think? If this guy's throwing this pitch, what do you think? You know, just having those conversations with him, it helped me grow as a player. It helped me grow as a person. It helped me grow as a leader. Um, that was probably one of the biggest things that he helped me with, you know, during my time at St. Joe's. <laughs> I remember we had a, a difference of opinion on uh, on something and uh, we got into it pretty good. And I remember we had a game on Saturday. And now, mind you, me and Fritz, if there was a day we didn't talk, something was probably wrong. I mean, that was the type of relationship we had. Whether it was simply me popping into the office, him shooting me a text, you know, whatever it was, you know, we talked all the time. And uh, I think the difference of opinion happened on a, on a Wednesday, I think. And uh, we didn't have practice on Thursday. This is in the fall of my junior year. And on Friday, I remember... We didn't really, I don't think there was many words said between us. And uh, I remember sending him a text as soon as practice was over. It was probably, God, 5, 40, 6 o'clock at night. And I go, I remember asking him, I said, what time will you be there tomorrow? And he goes, I'll be there. I think he said like 6.45. And I was like, perfect. I'll see you there at 6.15. And I remember pulling up to the clubhouse. It was about 6 a.m. And I just sat there and waited. And he walked in and it was one of those things where, it, it just only strengthened our relationship and the ability to be able to like, you know, express myself and how I was feeling. And at the same time, being able to hear him and what he had to say for me as a player. Yeah. Some of those things are hard to hear at times, but they need to be heard and you need to find ways to grow and, and, and get better from those. And I remember that conversation, especially to this day, you know, I think the exact quote was, how do you expect to lead this team when you don't do half the things you're asking other guys to do? And it kind of hit me where I was like, wow, that really kind of makes sense. Like, 
if I want to be a leader on this team, which is something that I've always, I wanted from the day I walked in those doors was to be a leader on that team. I completely changed how I went about doing things. And, and it wasn't even so much on the baseball field. It was like little things. It was now, instead of asking young guys to take a laundry down, I started doing it, or we had the upperclassmen do it. If I was asking a guy to do something, I had to be damn sure ready to make sure that I was willing to do it too. And I think just in general, I think, you know, back to your original question, I think Fritz is just really, really good. I mean, he came from army. He has, he knows how to push guys. And I think he knows how to get the most out of guys. And I think you see it now, especially, I mean, look at the line of catchers that we've had come out of there. We've had Dave Alicente was before me and then it was myself and then it was Dion and then it was Andrew, you know, he had a run of almost 16 years of guys at the helm behind the plate of that are professionals or, you know, played professional baseball at some point or another behind the plate. I mean, that speaks to what he, how he sees kids in high school to how he develops them all the way through. And then on the pitching side, I mean, we've had Jordan Carter got drafted. Jimmy Yacobonis got drafted. He pitched, he, he's pitched and still pitches uh, in the big leagues. You know, you had AJ Holland and you had Kemp get drafted as pitchers. You've had um, there's another, uh, guy there. Now we were actually just talking about an outfielder. That's probably going to get drafted at some point. You know, you look at it from a small mid-major school who plays in the A-10 from Philly. Philly's not known for baseball, you know, not more than basketball. Philly's been known as a basketball city. And, you know, I think you're starting to really see like what he's capable of doing and the type of talent that he can bring in there. When did you, every kid dreams about getting drafted and playing pro ball. But along your journey, when does it go from, wow, that would be really cool to, I think I've got a legitimate shot at this if I work hard and and the cards fall my way. Was there an aha or was it just kind of a gradual one thing led to another and this scouts and now they're calling me and now I'm on these lists of guys that are going to get drafted. Like, what do you remember kind of how it came together? I, I had known since I was in high school, actually probably before high school, that this was what I wanted to do. I've known for a long time this was what I wanted to do. And everything in my life revolved around that. You know, I wanted to play professional baseball. I wanted to be drafted. And I came in with the mindset of I fully intended to be there for three years and then leave to the draft. And, you know, I got a couple of texts from guys, whether it was Kyle Mullen texting me and or Quinn Renner, you know, Anthony Cirillo, some of those guys that hosted me on my official visit and they were like, we're sitting here laughing because you told us this when you were in high school that you were going to do this. And then there was another instance that, you know, when our field got built, I, our first, my first fall was over at, at Campbell. And but when we came home after that, our spring trip and our field was done, I'll never forget this. And because nobody there will let me forget it. But, uh, you know, I walked out on the field and we were in stretch and I go, man, this is going to be a really nice place to play for three years. And everybody was like, are you effing kidding me? And I was dead serious. And it was one of those things where, like, it just never stopped for me. Like, that was my mindset. You know, when I was done with the day, if I didn't feel good, there was nights that I'd go up to the cage in the pool and hit for two, three hours with Greg Kumpel until it was 11 30, 12 o'clock at night. You know, there was days where I would tell the rest of the guys in the freshman class, Hey, let's go hit. No, I don't want to. Well, somebody's going to come hit with me because I need somebody to flip. So, you know, getting guys to do that or, you know, bringing guys along, 
it was just one of those things that I had known from the time I was really little that it was what I, what I wanted to do. And, and I was willing to do anything to get there. And, um, you know, I just happened to be lucky enough. And as it went, I think probably early the scouts were, I think the biggest knock probably on me coming out was I was, my catching was ahead of my hitting. The whole question was, oh, is he going to hit? Is he going to hit? Is he going to hit? And I kind of put those to sleep early in my junior year. The first probably month and a half, two months of the season, it was, there was no more questions on whether or not I could hit. And I knew pretty much about a month into the season, there was no chance I was probably coming back. You get drafted by the Cardinals, I think seventh round in 2014. I'm curious, how long did it take before being a pro baseball player became a grind? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but that you really started to feel the six-hour bus ride to El Paso or wherever, or five games in three nights, and then eight-hour bus ride to play a doubleheader the next day. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but I mean, how long did it take before the kind of the reality of what it is to be a pro baseball player, minor league baseball player, kind of smacked you in the face? Pretty quick. <laughs> I got spoiled a little bit being in state college my first year. You know, they treated us phenomenally from the clubhouse to the clubhouse staff to our food. You know, we got, I got spoiled my first year, but I started realizing it very quickly, you know, when we would leave home and you go play in Batavia, New York, you go play in Mahoney Valley, you go play in Jamestown, you know, you go play in some of these places and they're just dumps and you're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You're eating the deli meats that look like they're rubber, you know, you, you kind of see these things and you're like, this is what it is. And, um, you know, now mind you, it's come so far from that. Now, you know, guys don't have, you know, you're starting to see teams put more time and energy into nutrition and, you know, what guys are eating and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, you know, it can be tough at times. I mean, you're away from, you know, your family, for some of the guys, it's their first time. You got high school guys. You got guys that are a little bit older. You got, like you said, you got a bus ride from State College. I remember we had um, one trip. We were up in Staten Island, and we finished the game driving home. It's late. It's probably 1 or 2 in the morning. One of the guys has an emergency. We have to make a detour, drop him off at the hospital, get back. You know, the bus keeps going. I think we got into state college. We got back at probably nine 30, 10 in the morning. And then guess what? We turn around and we play at seven o'clock that night. So, I mean, you go home, you try and sleep for a few hours and you're right back to it. But I think you learn very, very quickly. At least I did that. It's, it's a business and it is, yeah, those, situ you know, those times are going to happen and yeah, it's going to be, it could be tough for, for guys, but you know, at the end of the day, we have to go out and play and we have to go out and produce. And if you don't, they'll go find the next guy that does it. And that's the that's the beauty and the curse of the business is it's a cutthroat business. And and it's, it is what have you done for me lately type of business. And, um, you know, guys, they give guys time to develop, you know, look at myself. I mean, there's been probably multiple times that I could have probably been out of the game and, and I've been able to extend my career for as long as I have. And but, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it definitely can be a grind in certain areas. I think the toughest part is probably the mental, the mental side of things, because in the moment you feel like, you know, you went over four and then you got a six hour or nine hour bus ride and you just sit on that for hours. And, you know, that can take a toll on guys. I think the mental side of things, you're seeing more and more guys deal with that than the physical, the grind, because, you know, we can get ready, you know, physically, we, 
you know what you're doing. I think it's the mental part to get yourself to a place where you're ready to play every single night and not only play, but I mean, you look across baseball, whether you're in short season or the big leagues, everybody's throwing 95 plus now. Everybody has nasty breaking balls. And if you're not mentally in a place that you're ready to go play and compete, even if you're not at 100%, you know, you there's plenty of games that you take the field, you're, you know, you're 85%, you're tired, you're, you know, you've played 12 of 13, you know, your bats maybe a little slow, you're in July, it's the Florida State League, it's been 100 degrees every day. Um, it definitely can be tough, but to find, to be able to get yourself to a place where uh, I heard a manager say one time, it was great. He's like, I don't care what you guys have. Give me a hundred percent of whatever you have that night. And I'm okay. You know? So it's one of those things where mentally, I think if you can get yourself to a place where you're ready to go play, you'll be all right. But mentally, I think it's more of a grind than, than the physical, all the other stuff that goes into it. You had a lot of success in the minors. You made steady progress up the ladder, but you don't break through, you know, we mentioned drafted in 2014, debut in 2022. Were there moments where you were real with yourself? Like maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe this is, you know, just for whatever reason, circumstance, dumb luck, went 0 for 4 in front of the wrong person on the wrong day, whatever. Did you have those moments or did you always think that if I just keep pressing, if I just keep pressing, something's going to give? I still have those moments to this day. I think I think if anyone says they don't have those moments, I think they're lying. I think it's very normal to feel that. I think in the moment in 0 for 4 in June feels like it could be the end of the world. Whereas it's one day. And I think that in the moment, you're so attached to what happened that it's hard to let go. It's hard to move on. It's hard to accept. And I think that's probably the hardest thing. I think there was times this year where I was like, this might be it. This is it. But you got to, you know, I never, when those times happen, I think, you know, as I've gotten older, I've done a lot of different things through meditation, breath work, more mental things in training than I've ever done. And for me, it's like you get to those moments. And I, I remember this year, there was a moment where I was having those same feelings. It was like, you know, this is never going to happen. I'm not playing well. I'm not hitting well. You know, this might be it for me. You know, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. And I remember sitting there and, and I did some meditation and, and before the game. And, and it was one of those things where I remember saying to myself, you know what, if this is, if this is it, I was like, I'm going to go out and enjoy the hell out of these last two months and play the game the way I want to play. So when it is done, I never want to feel like the game owes me anything because the game has given me so much and has blessed me with incredible friendships, incredible life lessons, journeys. I've been all across the country to play this beautiful game. I've come across some of the best people I've ever met through this game you know, this game owes me nothing. And that was kind of my mindset for, you know, the rest of the season. And it's hard to keep that mindset though, man. It's, you know, you know, fast forward two weeks down the road and then you go through an 0 for 10 or 0 for 12. And it's like, man, here we go again. But it was one of those things where I just kept telling myself, you know what, I'm going to find or try my hardest to find or play the game the way I want to play it. I want to enjoy the hell out of this. And I want to enjoy it and just be attached to the moment. And, and try not to worry about what's coming tomorrow or what happened last night. I think that's the hardest thing for guys. You know, I learned that lesson when I was younger going through the minor leagues is like, I was so attached to what happened the night before. And I was so worried about what was going to happen tomorrow that the game would come and go. And I would be like, I just did the same thing I did last night. And then it was like a snowball effect. And I realized really quickly, like the only thing I can control is the moment and, and be there and be present. And so, yeah, there was a plenty of times and there's still times where it feels like, you know, 
because the, you know what the crazy thing is, is like you, you get drafted and you're like, you're happy for a little bit and you're excited. And then, you know what the next thing is, all right, I want to get the full season and then you get the full season and then guess what? You're happy for a little bit. It's like, I want to get to high A. You get to high A and it goes all the way up to the big leagues. And guess what? You get to the big leagues and you know what the next thing you go, your thought is, is like, you're really happy and having fun. And then it's, oh, I want to, I want to stay here for 10 years to make a boatload of money, have pension, all this stuff. And then if you're lucky enough to play there for 10 years, it's like, I want to go, I want to be in the hall of fame. And then it's just, it's never ending. So for me, it's just, if you can stay attached to the moment and not worry about things that already happened or about to happen because they're completely out of your control, I think that's where I find I play my best baseball and truly just enjoy enjoy the game the most. Ryan O'Keefe, this was a ton of fun. Congratulations again. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Brian O'Keefe, former St. Joseph's University baseball star, for being our guest this week. If you like this show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, want to help us out, leave a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.